Hello and welcome. It's another Empire of the Cop podcast. And yes, it is the four amigos back again together. We have our very own Peter Kenny Jones and we have Flash Score duo Steve Carson, the senior editor of Flash Score, I should add. And of course, the very, very lovely Rick Elliott. How are we all doing, chaps? It's Bill. Um, I believe Pete mentioned that the last time we all did a podcast all together, uh, we were on course uh, for a Champions League final in Paris and a potential Premier League title uh, as part of a quadruple run. How did, how did that go? I, I, <laughs> I struggled to remember. It's, it's all just been a blur and, yeah. <laughs> we might have won it. I don't know. Did we, did we win it? Did we, did we, win, did we do all four? We I mean, by the time that City's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the time City's their financial charges come through, I imagine we'll have at least won, won the treble. <laughs> so that's something at least. No, I've anyway. my, my mind's on Dublin now. <laughs> I'm looking forward. Oh, yes. Straight to oh, Dublin. Yes. The Red Wall. I mean, so this is our 101st Empire of the Cop podcast. Obviously, we had grand designs about getting the big 100. That's honour, uh, so to speak, went to Neil Jones Instead, I mean, we, I believe we'd sort of planned to do a sort of transfer kind of focus pod, looking at all the deals Liverpool might have been well advised to do in January, could be looking to do in the summer. And then, of course, we all got the news. Um, I say we all got the news. Rick, I believe, sent through the news um, on, on, our, on the little WhatsApp and uh, broke all our hearts. So I'm, I'm, I'm not blaming Jürgen for this one. I'm blaming specifically Rick. For, for breaking oh, my heart. I just kept my mouth shut. And yeah. <laughs> yes, no. We could, we could have lived in it. We could have lived in momentary bliss until one of us had hopped onto the BBC Sport page. Um, but yes, that is that is it. We, we are here now on the 101st Empire of the Cop podcast. I hope now we've all had time to sort of shed tears and begin processing this sort of very difficult news that none of us really saw coming. I mean, Rick, as the bearer of bad news yourself, uh, I'm going to come to you first with this. <laughs> how, how are you feeling right now about it all? And um, well, do you reckon the timing of the announcement was right? Ooh. So that, the timing question. I, I So there's part of it that says yes. I mean, you, you look at those initial two games um, and the bounce that we had, and it was just like we came out swinging uh, with the news, and Anfield was roaring. But then you sort of, I mean, it, I think we were due, overdue. If we if we're really being honest with ourselves, we were overdue some sort of um, bad results, and so that Arsenal games come along, and we've just gone off. Like you know, it, it's just completely taken the wind out of the sails. Um, I mean, some of those were just sort of freak incidents like, you know, Alisson and, and Van Dijk, they've been perfect, perfect record pretty much. And then they go off and do something that sort of clumsy. And you just can't, you can't predict those kind of things. You can't sort of squash them out really in training unless we sort of just work a little bit more on communication. But these two are professionals and the fact that it only happened once in how many years? Can we really say that there's been a, an absolute calamitous issue like that? It's just yeah. So um, now, so to go back to Klopp, I feel like we're still in this kind of period of mourning and it'll just carry on um, until, well, until we get the new manager in, really. Um, even if we're, we're sort of like wind back in the sails, we're all like, you know, the, the, the balloon is inflated and we are, like, you know, puffed up, ready to go. I, I, there's just that all, like, 
when I first heard the news, it was just like, I'm, I'm a grown man, like trying to hold back tears here <laughs> about a guy who's just basically gone, you know what? I don't like this job anymore. Uh, so here's my notice. Like that, that's when you break it down to like, you know, the old, the old Brexit, oh, just kicking, a bag, bound, bag, kicking around a bag of wind, that, all, that whole philosophy, then it's like, yeah, well, if you strip it down, then yeah, it is quite sad that, you know, we've taken, but that just tells you so much about who Jurgen is as a person and what he's brought to the club and what he's brought to the people, the fans, the city, everything. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I am a bit. I'm like you know, it's still still a bit like you know, I've, I've got my sort of Erdinger glass with Klopp on. I, I'm still like I see like you know, Funko Pops and everything. Like, I, I'm I, everywhere I look, I've got like traces of you. You can't get away from him. It's going to take a while. Um, yeah, I, it's uh, it's going to take a while. I think you've summed it up quite well, and I, I think. I suppose when we look at the timing front, I mean, there's so many sort of arguments for and against, you know, waiting until the end of the season. Or I, th- I think certainly the initial reaction from anyone sort of outside of Liverpool was Liverpool up for a title here, Liverpool up for four competitions here. Why on earth would Jurgen sort of give up this news? But I, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a different way of looking at it if we're looking at it from the context of as Liverpool fans, you know, generally, at least half of us here sort of living uh, in Merseyside. I think it's a different sort of story, Steve, because I think Jürgen, obviously the club knew about this since November. Jürgen's come out with the news sort of at the tail end of, of January. And we know that now that Liverpool have the time to begin the process of recruiting a sporting director, recruiting a new head coach and a, a body of coaches, of course, to replace the outgoing Pep Linders, Vita Matos and Pete Kravitz. We know Liverpool and FSG have their best men on the case. William Spearman, our lead data cruncher, Mike Gordon, president of FSG. And now a former ally turned confidant in Theo Epstein, of course, who played a prominent role uh, with the Boston Red Sox uh, and the Chicago Cubs. It's going to be a very intricate process. It's going to be a very data-heavy process. Are, are you feeling optimistic about this entire sort of process of finding a new Liverpool manager? Now that I've accepted that it's happening, I think you, you do start to you know, look forward to what's next. Um, you know, when it first happened, obviously, there is that. You know, you go through the stages of grief where you sort of, you know, it's not actually happening and you just sort of get up into this like emotional ball and you just, then you begin to accept it. Okay. You know, in terms of the timing, just to go back on that quickly, I I think it might have been just a way of the club to control um, the story. Uh, Because like you said, Farrell, uh, the club has known uh, since November. Um, Obviously the season had had begun. Um, So, it was a case of it's going to have to come out at some point, uh, and for the you know the assistant managers and the coaches, um, it has been a case that they're going to be looking for other jobs. So the club has to get control of the story, otherwise we're going to hear it from Fabrizio Romano a week before we heard from Jurgen Klopp that he's leaving the club, and that's not the way the fans deserve to find out. I, I certainly think Jurgen. And his his uh, right hand and left hand men would, would be feeling the same way as well. That it's it's best coming from the the horse's mouth, so to speak. In terms of being optimistic, looking forward, I think that's really the only way that we can go. You know, you go back to one of the th- first things that Jurgen said when he came to the club that you've got to go from being doubters to believers. And he took over a team that you know was not very capable in terms of the way that we've performed in recent years. 
that level of capability. Um, we'd sort of found ourselves in a position where, to be honest with you, we probably would have been a step away from where Chelsea are right now. Um, obviously, through different circumstances, but you know, at risk of becoming a mid-table club. And he's turned he's turned us into this, you know, uh, to quote Shankly, a bastion of invincibility. I say that having just lost to Arsenal, but you get what I'm what I'm at what I'm at there. That we you know that, that obviously being such a significant result for them as well shows how far the club has come on the club. And I think you have to be optimistic looking forward. I don't think there's any other way of being about it. I think that's one of the things that he's taught us over the last few years. You've always got to look on the bright side of these things. And, you know, even in defeat, even in the bad times, Jürgen's always smiled. He's always, you know, celebrated. Don't get me wrong. He's always also moaned as well about certain things. Uh, but you know, that's what we all do. It's it's the way football is. It's a game and we should get some joy out of it. It's a bit of a journey. Who we see in the hot seat next. And um, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'm looking forward to it. Because that implies I'm looking forward to Klopp leaving, which I'm I'm not. That's going to be a horrendous sort of uh, period. But you know everything's got to come to an end, and he's been saying it for years that you know he was he's always precast this, if you like, that it was going to happen this way. And lo and behold, here he is, a bit sooner than we expected, but he's on his way out. And I think you've got to remain positive. You know the team that he's beginning to assemble, that Liverpool 2.0. That's been sort of bashed about in the media uh, as as like a, a, a name for this team. I think he's put together the pieces. The next manager's basically got to just come in and just not be a dickhead, and it'll be absolutely fine. But we'll wait and see because there's loads out there. But I'm sure the club is, like you said, Farrell, uh, really taking their time about finding the right character to replace uh, Jurgen Klopp, and it probably is the character that is more important than managerial. Um, prowess or something, which I'm sure that kind of comment will lead us into chatting about the Jabby Alonso. <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll put it back to you now, and we can uh, we can delve further. Yeah, can I just I, I just want to add something. So one thing that I, I thought a lot of people in sort of like, you know, the Liverpool podcast circle, so to speak, have picked up on is around November. Um, like because all last last season, I mean, it wasn't exactly one of the better seasons. Um, and it, it got sort of like worn out and, and sort of looked and felt a bit sort of down in the dumps. And then November came around, and it was almost as if he had this whole burst of energy. And a lot of people were commenting on, like, oh, he seems re energized and he's ready to go, and here we go with his two Liverpool 2.0. And then it's just sort of like, well, now in retrospect, it's like, well, that's when, when he told the club, that's when uh, like he made his decision that, oh, this is, this is the point when I'm like, you know, I, 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 that's it, end of the season. And so in retrospect, it's like, oh, wow. Like maybe th- it wasn't that sort of energy boost that we all thought it was. Um, but I, I, it's one of those things that like now when you look back at the, the telltale signs were there all along. Um but yeah, it's just it's just weird how how these kind of things unfold. You, you do have that sort of oh shit moment. It all makes sense. I think he even said that you know he was in a meeting. I think was it a strategy meeting uh, ahead of the season, and he sort of had that internal thought of I'm not sure if I can do this again next year, <laughs> and that he'd never had that sort of thought before, and that he felt the relief he felt in terms of saying guys, I can't I can't go on for another season. I've got to cut the contract short. 
Um, I think ultimately what we what we've seen is almost a a Jurgen sort of unshackled, unleashed, um, and it, it, it's. I mean, I mean, it's it's nice to know that he certainly feels that when he feels comfortable in his decision, he certainly earned the right to feel that way, given you know the time commitments, what he's brought to the club, you know the level of you know Steve you talked about doubters to believers, changed everything from top to bottom. So if anyone certainly has the right to say, you know, I'm not in a position to give a hundred percent anymore going forward, I think it's certainly Jurgen. Um, I, I, I mean, Pete. You know, we we all talk about sort of Xavi Alonso, sort of Steve was sort of mentioning there, um, but sort of more generally, I think what was interesting is um, I was listening to an Anfield Rap episode the other day, and um, I think Neil Atkinson was sort of saying something like, in terms of his general reaction to the Klopp news, it's important that whoever follows in Jurgen Klopp's footsteps that they're not a Jurgen Klopp 2.0, in the, in the sense of they have to be their authentic selves, um, and. I, I think that's absolutely true, but it also certainly relies, relies on a bit more beyond that because, you know, this is a unique club, a unique fan base. You want an emotional connection uh, to a head coach that comes in, not just some distant, uh, moody kind of tactico. Um, so I suppose that brings me to my question, which is what is the checklist that the next Liverpool manager has to fulfil? God, easy job, eh? <laughs> easy, yeah, no, I'll let it... <laughs> Well, I think, you know, you're saying you don't, well, no, we don't, you can't get another Jürgen Klopp, is the point I'm trying to say. There's, there's never going to be another person like him, is there? So, and, you know, as much as maybe you think we don't want a, a moody tactician on the sideline, we've seen the likes of, of Rafa, we've seen, you know, a lot of, of quieter managers be part of our club. And, you know, Jürgen Klopp is probably the most unique and he's the most emotional on the sidelines. You know, we, we'd see Kenny celebrate when he was definitely on his second stint, but he, he'd run about five yards his hands in the air. He wouldn't be Klopp's fist pumps at the end, you know, high-fiving fans going mad with the bench. You know, and obviously we love that, but everyone is different. Everyone's unique and there's no way, there's no way you can say, let's go and get the next year in Klopp because they don't exist. And it's all about just getting the right person for the job. And, you know, if that if the right person sits there and doesn't get off the chair, we'll probably love that because we all love the... Rafa taking his glasses off, folding them up and putting them in his top pocket. You know, you find other things to look at. <laughs> obviously, when they come to, at the end, and Klopp's got one like that and all the fans are going mad, it's obviously easy to get behind. And I know a lot of not very good managers start doing it now as well. And I think they can see how easy it is to win fans over doing it. But it's all just about the results. And I think, you know, we, we have got to play an, an attacking, attractive style of football. I don't think we would be too happy if it was, you know, long ball and get behind five men at the back and nick every game 1-0. But, but same again, if you win the league doing that, how, how upset will you be? It's all about getting results and hopefully entertaining the fans. And yeah, that's... Ian Klopp's made this decision now, as you said, as, as Steve said, not so that we don't see Fabrizio Romano telling us it. It's so he can tell us and also that the, the club can start looking for a, a proper option. You know, if we're trying to interview people, if we're touting out if they're interested, you know, it only takes one person to leak it and then the story's everywhere. So, yeah, you've just got to find someone who, who wants to be a Liverpool manager, which I think 99.9% of all managers would probably take the job. Maybe Pep Guardiola would be the hardest sell, but um, I think other than that, pretty much everyone would jump at the chance to be our manager. So we're in a very privileged position. And Jürgen Klopp, it, if he was ever going to leave the club, this is the best way to leave. And as much as I hated it, you know, he hasn't been sacked. He's not in ill health. He isn't sneaking off at the end of the season and we're not getting to 
have time to properly replace him. You know, he's given us notice. We all know what's coming, and it's probably hopefully going to give us more energy as fans and as players to achieve what we want to achieve this season and then go on from there. So, yeah, the, the checklist is just you want to be a Liverpool manager. You play half-decent football, and most importantly is that you win stuff. But I think we will give the next man time, which I think is something that is also going to be needed. But, yeah, I think there aren't many better jobs that could ever become available than the one Jürgen Klopp's going to leave. And let's just hope it's we're holding a few trophies as forever the next band's coming in as well. It's an interesting point you raise, Pete, because certainly, you know, you, you look at sort of some of the commentary has sort of been revolving around, you know, that, that's, that's almost a poison chalice for whoever sort of next comes in because you've got to live up to Jurgen Klopp at uh, this sort of almost Shankly, Paisley-esque sort of figure. Um, but you're right to point out, it's still a very very attractive job. It's one of the best uh, job, arguably one of the top three jobs, uh, co- head coach positions in, in, in world football at the minute. Well, number one, certainly in our eyes, um, but certainly more broadly, I suppose, you'd have to say at least top three. Um, which brings me sort of to the next uh, topic, which is, of course, potential Jurgen Klopp successes. It's not something we're particularly looking forward to, but, you know, Pete, we're going to have to give whoever comes in time. You're absolutely right to point that out. Um, I just had a quick little game for all of us uh, to play uh, before we do go. <laughs> and do, don't worry, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the Pete quiz. Don't worry, I wouldn't steal that from you. Um, yes, now I'm, I'm curious to see whether, how, whether you've been keeping up with this, of course. Uh, Odds Checker have all the latest odds on potential Klopp uh, successes. I'm sure you'll all be familiar roughly about who's in the top 10 uh, list to replace Klopp at the end of the season. But I wonder if any of you can guess the top 10 least likely coaches to succeed Jurgen Klopp according to Odds Checker. And bear in mind, there are about 65 different names there. So you might want to think outside of the box. I, w- I wonder if anyone... I have, I have the top 10 right here. And so we'll begin crossing them off. Um, <laughs> one at a time. Who wants to take a punt? Frank Lampard. Frank, yeah, Frank Lampard is correct. He is the uh, tenth, uh, tenth. Yeah, so yeah, not not the least likely. So at the opposite end of the, the spectrum, Frank Lampard with a win percentage of forty-two point one three percent throughout his managerial career. On rest. Troy Deeney. Troy, no, Troy Deeney is not. <laughs> He's not on the list. That would, that would be brilliant. No, sadly not. Well, sadly, or perhaps more happily not on the list. <laughs> we, uh, Big Sam, is he on there? Big Sam is not in the bottom ah, 10. On it check, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're going to be like semi-likely, but not likely. Um, yeah, because you I'll give you a clue. A few of them are ex-Liverpool players. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Fowler. Robbie Fowler is currently the least likeliest option to replace Jurgen Klopp as manager. Matt Madley, Frank Lampard, would have a better chance of replacing Jurgen Klopp than Robbie Fowler, uh, according to Odds Checker. There we go. There's two names off the list. Mm. I don't like being the other side of these. Um, (laughs) The pressure's on. So Roy Hodgson, is is he on that list? Roy Hodgson is on the list. He is the eighth uh, person, so the eighth likeliest person on right. that list uh, just behind uh, well yeah two behind Frank Lampard is Rafa one Rafa Benitez Rafa is not on he's he's one of the candidates of the 65 but he's not in the bottom 10 
Um, Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho is not considered a bottom ten candidate. Jose I would. No. <laughs> so, controversial, but no, I think Mourinho certainly. would probably be in the top in 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 that short list. To be honest, based oh, on the fact yeah. that he's available right now. Yeah. yeah I'm not late. Mm-hmm. Hey, pff, I mean, there's Excellent one name players. Like Gerard, but I don't yeah. think he'll be at the bottom. He's all playing. Yeah. yeah. One of them is a former national manager, and one of them currently manages in League One. Oh. <laughs> I don't know who that could be. Martin's not in there either. Like former, former Liverpool player from the... Um, mostly from the Benitez era onwards but there's one name in there uh, that's very very pre-Benitez mm. uh, Albert Riera not Albert, Albert Riera but he was ah I hate this Sammy Hippier not Sammy Hippier I think he's gone on to become a manager. Uh, Martin Skirtle, I know he's like a player coach almost back home. Not Martin Skirtle, but think centre backs and midfielders. Mascherano. Not Mascherano. Or more Sissoko. <laughs> Sadly, we'll not more Sissoko. Yeah. Danny Agger. Is he what? Not Agger. Th- think, I might have to like, think, think the Istanbul sort of. Ooh, Traore. Oh, not Traore, no. Who? Harry Kuehl. Not Harry Kuehl. Yeah, no. Milan Barros. Vladimir Spichu. Not Milan Barros. Good shout, Fennin. though, but not me. Yes, do no, sadly not. He's a DJ, isn't he? Yeah. I'm just letting you guys just go through the whole squad. This, <laughs> this, is, this is a great memory exercise. Got on a Risa? No. No, not Risa. That's the whole team. You're missing a few. Alonso's a lot higher up. Alonso's a lot higher up. Who said to me, sir? Antonio Nunes. No, not to say not Nunes. Not Hosami. <laughs> Jimmy Traor. This is so, obs- <laughs> Jimmy not Jimmy Traor. This is so obscure, it's brilliant. Obscure. Chris um, Kirkland. Scott Carson. Oh, I should say, sorry, not Scott Carson. These Whipbread. Two of these are quite prominent. <laughs> this Someone is out there is screaming right now. <laughs> you, you will kick yourselves. You need to get two of these. Carragher. Carragher. I said on the list. <laughs> Did you say him? Carragher and Neville at the start. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's not Neville, but Car- all right, we'll give we'll give that to the pair of you. Apologies, Pete, I didn't hear you. <laughs> Carragher is fourth bottom. Mm, yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think he has co- uh, coaching badges, does he? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, you know. I feel, I feel like he Carragher. might do, but I think that's behind him now, isn't it? Pundit. Um, bring his uh, Monday night football analysis to the uh, to the <laughs> to the. I don't think I don't think he dared touch managerial 
like jobs because like it you just know that Valencia is just gonna be like the comparison. Oh, maybe he goes man given man. Yeah. Level for this, yeah. Yeah, I think Van Dyke would definitely leave as well if we look at it. <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of which right, coincidentally yeah, Coincidentally, last Saturday, I think it was, was the anniversary of uh, Valencia getting beat 6 1, I think it was, in the Copa del Rey. No, to Barca. Nice. Yeah, to Barca. What are we looking for here, Farrell? This is after Istanbul now. Two, two midfielders from the Benitez era. Benitez Not Leyva. Ah, Jay Spear. Not Jay Spirit. More prominent. More prominent. Right. <laughs> Aquilani. Not Aquilani. More more prominent. Gerard. Not Gerard. <laughs> Gerard's a little bit higher up, strangely, but um... Gerard, Alonso, Mascherano, Momo Sissoko. Who else in the midfield in this era? Is it after Benitez or in the Benitez era? In the Benitez, I'm pretty yeah. In the Benitez. Is he a man? Is he a, is he a what? Diddy Haman. Diddy Haman. Diddy Haman is there. Oh, he is. There he is. He's in sixth place. Diddy Haman. There we go. There we go. We were very close to getting cancelled there. Let's uh, yeah, pat on the back. Watch the tape. I said Haman and Carragher about an hour ago, by the way. He did. He did. All right, you're, okay, so you're, you're missing one. Man, you're missing a Liverpool midfielder. You're missing another former Liverpool player, but well before a prominent Liverpool player before, well before the Benitez era. Kenny Dalglish. Not Kenny Dalglish. Stan uh, Collymore. Soonish. And you're missing not Stan Collymore. Damn it! And you're also missing a Liverpool midfielder from the Klopp era. Oh, so you've got Benitez era. Klopp, Klopp era and a prominent Liverpool mid- midfielder pre Benitez. Graham Sunes. Not Graham Sunes, but you're thinking along the right lines. For the Klopp Steve era Martin. one, James Milner. Ooh. Not James Milner. That was an interesting shout. Oh, sorry, beg your pardon. I meant defender from the pre Benitez era. Oh, prominent okay. defender from the pre Benitez era. Apologies. Um, Sammy up here, Stefan Hunchell. Oh, no, no, sadly not. Mark Lawrenson. Not Mark Lawrenson. Um, Steve Nichol. Not Steve Nichol. Could play his opinions these days. Um, <laughs> Alan Kennedy. No, sadly not. How far back are we going? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're thinking 70s and 80s. Oh, and uh, centre back or full back? It'd be a centre back. Star. Oh, my God. Is he actually a manager? Is he actually a manager? No, he's, he's not currently a manager. Oh, right. But he was okay. a caretaker manager. Oh, dear. Oh, Phil Thompson. Here's Phil Thompson. Hey. There we go. There we go. So that is six names from the list. So you have a current, not sorry, not a current, a midfielder, a prominent midfielder from the Jurgen Klopp era, a midfielder from the Benitez era, a former international manager who was recently uh, sacked, 
and a current manager of a League One club in England. Uh, Hansi Flick. Not Hansi Flick. I know, this one's actually quite... So no, no. He sacked, I think, last year. I'd be actually surprised if you got this. It's quite... Not, maybe not obscure, but verging. Midfielder in the club era, we should be able to get that surely. Do you want to get the mid? Do you want to try and get the midfielder in the club era and the midfielder in the Benitez era? Ginny Wijnaldum, Milner, Henderson, Henderson, Jordan Henderson <laughs> is the second least likely to take up the Liverpool job. Jordan Brian Henderson. Yeah, I had to make Who would have seen that come out? I was looking at this list and thinking, this is insane. I, I think you must be making it up as you go along, even with 65 candidates. Um, <laughs> past it, hey? said Henderson as well, so I think that's how that says how likely it is he's going to be manager. Exactly, exactly. Well, there you go. So you've got one former Liverpool midfielder from the Benitez era, a former international manager sacked last year, and one League One uh, club, current club manager. Damien Plessy. Sadly not. Who's um, managing the league one that's relevant to us? Be someone scouts like that, Carl Robinson, or something like that. Or that Coleman. Not Ryan Lowe. Not the um, Schumacher. They're all scouts. Ricky Lambert on there. He's not. He's not. That would have been an interesting one, though. Yeah, the former Benitez uh, midfielder. Um, let's see, so what, can I, what clues can I give? What clues can I give you? Christian uh, was he there during that era? Oh, Christian Paulson is post post Benitez, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's all a blur. He's, Cro- he's Croatian. If that helps, Croatian. he's currently managing Al Shabab. Igor Biscan. It is Igor Biscan. Hey, oh, <laughs> he is seventh on the list, yeah. just ahead of Roy Hodgson, as he should be. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, I have a what? feeling the last. Does, does anyone only take a final punt on the last two names <laughs> before I reveal them? Uh, international coach. Uh, <clears throat> the international coach is going to get us. It's going to be something that we've just kind of put to the back of our mind because it was a year ago. It, it is. I, I, sh- I should say it's a. It is a hard one. It's not quite obscure, but it. it not Mancini. No, I can't remember when that was, actually. No. All right, then. Okay, so number five in the list of the least likely candidates to replace Jurgen Klopp as manager of Liverpool Football Club is Jan Andersson, former Sweden manager, sacked last year. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, that was never on my Bit of an evil one. Uh, in third place, uh, in between Phil Thompson and Jamie Carragher, is manager of Charlton Athletic Nathan Jones? Oh, right. Why? Why him? I have absolutely no idea, Pete. Um, apparently, <laughs> Phil Thompson would be a better choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Thompson and Robbie Fowler would. Oh, sorry, no, beg your pardon. Jamie Carragher would be a better choice uh, than Nathan Jones. I'm reading this list wrong. List wrong. Uh, so, in order of least likely to most likely of the bottom ten candidates to replace Jurgen Klopp. Robbie Fowler right at the bottom, followed by Phil Thompson, Nathan Jones, Jamie Carragher, Jan Anderson, Diddy Haman, 
Igor Biscan, Roy Hodgson, Jordan Henderson, and Frank Lampard. Um, Robbie Fowler is more... To turn that list over, wouldn't you? Robbie Fowler is more successful at getting other managers' jobs at Liverpool than he is getting his own job at Liverpool. With the whole Sven situation, he's actually done better as a, recruit, a recruitment specialist. Uh, yeah. well, maybe he's made his case then to sort of come in. Um, but, you know, we, we, we'll, <laughs> we've discussed those candidates, uh, Rick. Um, out of curiosity, which of those would make your stomach squirm the least to see them in the Liverpool technical area next season? Oh, uh, probably, I mean, Hodgson's always, Hodgson's always a good one. I mean, especially now you see like how uh, things are going with Elise. It seems like a, a carbon copy of what, how uh, Daniel Sturridge was treated uh, when he was, uh, when Hodgson was as England manager. It just seems like, it, I mean, I, this is just me speculating here, but it seems like he's, his resolve is being tested. Interesting player, Elisa, as well. Been heavily linked with both Liverpool and Manchester City. But that's a top topic for another podcast, another uh, time. So we, we've looked at sort of the least likely candidates who I think it's fair to say, uh, God willing, will go absolutely nowhere near uh, the Liverpool technical area anytime soon. So I think it's time to talk about a bit more of a positive subject, which is the top 10 most likely candidates according to odds checker uh, to take over the Liverpool job and of course as it currently stands from top to bottom we have Xabi Alonso, Roberto De Zerbi, Pep Linders, Julian Nagelsmann, Ruben Amarim, Michel Sanchez of Girona, uh, Zinedine Zidane, Roger Schmidt, Unai Emery and Ange Postacoglu. Quite a list of coaches of course but I think you know we, we discussed this early on absolutely anyone we bring in to replace Jurgen Klopp will be a downgrade of some form, at least initially. But not forever, we would hope. Um, so, obviously, the book is favourite at the minute, uh, Rick, is former beloved red, Javi Alonso. And Liverpool are, according to Foot Mercato, understood to have already made contact with Alonso to work out if he fancies the job or not. Uh, the report does go on to state that he's happy at Leverkusen. Uh, his actual comments on the matter, of course, in a recent press conference do reflect as much. But, I mean, that's not necessarily a cause for concern, isn't it? Because you look at... You know, his side are gunning for their first ever Bundesliga title, the first trophy since 1993, which was the German Cup for Leverkusen. He's not going to want to destabilise his team's efforts whilst they're top of the table by saying, I want that job. Get me to that job. Gimme, Jürgen, gimme. He's going to he's going to want to perpetuate his team's success at this time and then presumably form a decision in the summer. Yeah. That is your cue. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think the thing is, like, we, we, we he's on, what is it, 30, 30 game streak that they're on now. Um, it's a phenomenal achievement. You can't, you can't deny that. Um, that being said, aside from uh, this incredible streak that they're on, he doesn't really have, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's obviously working within a certain cap of like, you know, within working within his means, uh, which is, you know, when we've seen countless times, how many times Jürgen has, uh, has had to do that with, uh, you know, so-and-so is right there. And then all of a sudden we can't get him because we haven't got the funds. And, you know, that, that, that's a tale as old as time. Um, so seeing that, um, you know, come into play against the might, the, the might of Bayern uh, Munich, it's, uh, 
yeah, it's great to see. Uh, but that being said, and, and this is the case for a lot of the people on that uh, list, when you look back at like what they've actually achieved over a sustained period of time, it's a bit lacking. Um, you know, you could have said that about Jurgen, but he had a Champions League final to his name. Um, and you know, there's 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 a lot of stuff that I'm just sort of going through all the names. It's like mm, it, it feels as though we are there's there's certain brackets of managers. You've got your sort of elite level, of which there are only a few, and I would say like the likes of Ancelotti are in there, Klopp is in there, Guardiola's in there, and then you've got like your sort of second basket, where you've got the likes of maybe like a, a Pochettino, uh, maybe Ten Hag, maybe, but at the bottom end of that scale, Mourinho. And it seems like, sorry, maybe Mourinho. Yeah, Mourinho. Um, I'd say he's more in the middle of that scale, but he's still in that within that basket and it feels as though it's uh, we're going to have to pick from from that basket rather than the top end um and it also feels as though it, this feels a very much like we're it's a it's a brendan rogers style signing rather than a Klopp or you know a, a benitez it, 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 it feels as though it's like we're gonna have to take a punt on someone and the and what the the club are doing right now, from what we conceive on outsiders' perspective of like we're we're handing it to data analysts and stuff like that. So it's like we're going to make an educated guess, but it's going to be a punt. But it's you know the the most the most calculated of punts that we could possibly take, um, because like we've said before, there is no replacing Jurgen Klopp, um, and unless you're willing to spend silly money bringing in a manager from a rival club uh, like like Real Madrid, like you know, it's never going to happen. But like Man City, um, you know, you're, you're not going to you're not going to get another manager that's going to be like that safety net straight away from the from the like ah. Oh, even Alonso, if he comes in, there's still going to be a bit of uncertainty. There's still going to be a bit of adapting uh, the the players to his style of play getting in other players to help help get it like, all in, in line. It just it feels like there's going to be some moulding that's going to need to take place. Um, and that's why the likes of Ancelotti, he can just sort of work with anyone he's given and, and sort of find a technique, find a tactic that will work with what he's got and then slowly over time adapt and, and build into that. Um, so, yeah, that's, like I said, it's just finding the right kind of manager within the bracket that we can, even though we could go for pretty much everyone that we can think of, it's going to be from that, that middle bracket. Oh, it's an interesting point. You certainly make about sort of the time spent in coaching. Obviously he's only got some 67 games um, as the bylaw of the boss of 67 games in senior management. Um, and, and of course, I mean, Steve, we look at sort of the bracket of managers available, but I think almost, if you're in Liverpool's position, you want a sense of continuity in the sense of whilst perhaps <laughs> an Ancelotti, I mean, certainly you're not going to get Guardiola. Ancelotti is extended to 2026 with Madrid, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. So you're almost forced into that sort of middle bracket, as Rick was saying, anyway. And I think we almost have to respect that there is going to be, on the spectrum, some degree of stark change at Liverpool. Uh, whether that's due to personality, uh, tactics and style, 
we are going to expect something quite considerably different. I, I, I don't know if you've sort of been keeping sort of track generally of sort of Alonso sort of tactics and system uh, with Leverkusen. Um, but um, the Athletic Strong Muller did quite an interesting sort of piece on this, noting that obviously his side plays a considerably higher degree of shorter passes. He's less wedded to the long passes than Jürgen is at Liverpool. Uh, a back three, of course, that would be one of the most initial sort of stark uh, systematic sort of changes you would see uh, with often you know, right, the right centre back pushing out wide, uh, plenty of bodies in midfield. There's a lot of sort of short combinations to get from A to B. Emphasis on midfielders pushing the ball through the pitch uh, rather than sort of possession building with defenders as at Liverpool. I, I, I mean, do, do you think this? I mean, ultimately, we've got to accept there's going to be change. Do you think this could work at Liverpool? Or is it almost pointless talking about change because you even look at sort of Jurgen's time at Liverpool, he's, he's not stayed completely wedded to certain practices uh, from 2015 onwards. He's adapted, he's evolved. But some amount of change is surely acceptable. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you talk about um, Leverkusen there playing with three centre-halves and, <clears throat> you know, that is that is actually a formation we have seen at Liverpool uh, in one form or another. Uh, we've, we've had the two flying full-backs um, basically operating as wingers at that point. Um, so, you know, a new manager brings in a new style. I think I think we know we, we know that. Um, you know, Jürgen came in and brought in the heavy metal football, as he called it. And you know, over the course of the years, it has changed from heavy metal. We had a bit more of a, I think, I don't know, maybe maybe elegant team now than we were when we were doing the full heavy metal smash, run up the pitch, uh, getting pressing. You know, that kind of um, beast. But yeah, there's always going to be some changes. I think Rick, Rick, they're talking about the sort of inexperience of Jabby Alonso, which is you know an absolutely it's a fair concern. And I do wonder whether and it's a little bit of an out there suggestion, but I do wonder whether the club might consider something like that as Jabby is the correct successor, and then maybe taking cues from Klopp over the last few years when you can't get the right man at the right time. Do you maybe go for like a buffer manager? Um, for us, ideally, I mean, that probably would have been Linders, you know, for a couple of years. But I do wonder, as I say, I don't believe this will happen, but I wonder an idea that you could bring in someone like Zidane for a couple of years, someone who's a proven winner, and just basically he comes in and implements his kind of style mixed with how the Liverpool players currently play. You know, you bring in a player, uh, sorry, a manager who already will command that respect. I don't, you know, I don't think there's any discipline issues with the Liverpool squad, but obviously uh, Zinedine Zidane or somebody of his ilk would command uh, respect as opposed to somebody like, uh, he's not been talked about too much, but I've, I've seen a few people talk about the idea of Thomas Frank. Um, I don't know whether he would command the same sort of, you know, that kind of feeling from the players I'm not I'm not I'm not too sure on, on that side of things to be honest but I do wonder whether there could be that period of okay we'll bring in a short-term manager as like a stop guy because we've done that with players in the past where we can't get the perfect player so we'll get someone who'll do the job the current example is Botaro Endo obviously Endo was doing a great job at the club but he wasn't the first choice but he's a good choice for a couple of years and then we'll get the proper the, the person we want to take over the position for the next five to ten years in the next couple of windows. So I do wonder whether maybe the club will give have some kind of gentleman's agreement in place with someone like Alonso 
and they'll give him a little bit longer to see how he performs. Maybe even like the Zerbi might even give him a little bit longer. I don't know, you know, how the, the sort of puppeteering behind the scenes works. But, you know, that idea that could be like a buffer manager for a couple of years, someone like Zidane, because he's always taking on short-term projects. So I do wonder that. I don't think that'll happen myself, but, you know, I think I think it's maybe an interesting idea to sort of um, rabbit hole to go down, if you like. But, yeah, I mean... There's going to be change no matter who comes in. Uh, like Pete said before as well, you don't want Jürgen Klopp 2.0. You do need change. As long as they come in and be genuinely who they are, which is, again, you know what Pete said, come in and just be yourself, be genuine. You know, If you, if you look back at Brendan Rodgers' time at Liverpool, I think he was trying to be something that he wasn't. Um, you know, he, he turned out to be a very good manager uh, away from the club. Uh, you know, he was close to being great at Liverpool, but he can maybe come a little bit too soon. So maybe there's something we can learn there as well. But yeah, I mean, there's going to be wholesale changes in one way or another when Klopp sort of bids us adieu in the, in the summer. There's certainly a logic there to sort of think about. And as you and sort of Rick have sort of pointed out, we are almost in that sort of Brendan Rodgers territory of going, we are going to have to hire someone at least relatively inexperience not not it's we're not in a similar situation to where Jurgen Klopp was coming off the back of a sabbatical at Borussia Dortmund having won the title twice and been in the Champions League final it, it's a very different sort of category uh, of manager similarly a very similar position City will be in presumably uh, when Guardiola does eventually uh, hang up uh, his his, um, his his sweatshirts and all that um I, I suppose the question is really Pete is, is my, my main concern, of course, and, and it is may, perhaps maybe more an argument led by emotion than, than facts, perhaps, is we know Alonso has this sort of gentleman's agreement with Leverkusen that realistically, if one of his three club, three prior clubs, you know, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, Real Madrid, come in for him at any point, the likelihood is if Alonso wants to go, he'll go. Um, do Liverpool want to be in a position where perhaps we take this approach of going... Let's just see this out for two years until a more obvious option appears on the market. And hypothetically, and again, this is very, very hypothetical, we see Alonso go to Madrid and winning titles and Champions Leagues. And you know, it could go the other way, of course. Liverpool could steer clear of Alonso. He takes the bigger job. We go, thank God we didn't go for Alonso. Thank God we didn't tarnish that sort of uh, love and sort of reputation that he's built up as a player at Liverpool. But it could very well go the other way. And, you know, do, do we want to take that risk of missing out on what appears to be, albeit in a very inexperienced coach, but one of the most promising upcoming coaches in European football. Um, well, it, you have to see how the season ends, I think, don't you? With, if we go back on what we've done in our lifetimes of getting new managers, I think, you know, in <laughs> Rafa and Klopp, they've gone for people who have won major, major trophies. Obviously, Rafa broke up the Real Madrid, Barcelona run of winning La Liga. Uh, and obviously, yeah, and Klopp's still the last person in Germany to stop Bayern Munich winning it. But then obviously we look at Roy Hodgson, um, who was probably, as we maybe you were inferring before, say about like a stopgap signing. And then obviously we had Kenny who came in, saved us later on while the club was in disarray. And then we also had Brendan Rodgers, who was probably... Well, he's a lot better than... Sorry, Chevy Alonso's CV already looks a bit better than what Brendan Rodgers has did, but the obviously managers on the rise. And either you take the chance and you go on the ride with them and 
hope that it keeps going up and up or sometimes it can it can plateau or sometimes it can go quite wrong and you know, as I said before you've got to give the next person time and I think just because of the way that this team at the moment for well from the start of next season it's going to be a young team I think it's not a bad thing to have a young exciting manager in there you know it's not although obviously we all want to win a lot of stuff now I think Van Dijk Allison and Salah are probably the only people who will start thinking the next year or two that this is the last couple of years at the very, very top and everyone else is on their way up to trying to reach the top of their game. So there's no harm if he's the right person than getting a young manager. And I think, no, I think what um, Putty said in the press conference when Clock was going was that they're going to look at all the analysis and, you know, we've all seen Moneyball and we've all seen how we get our players and this is fair model and, it frustrates a lot of people, but you know we're nowhere near any financial difficulties. We're nowhere near cheating with our finances either. So they're going to be looking at the numbers and they're going to be looking at what makes any manager take or what makes them the, the right candidate for the job. And I think if you look at Alonso, it's just maybe it's good that we have got the chance now to put the feelers out and then it could all go wrong, the wheels could fall off and maybe we can back away there. But no, if we put the feelers in the hilly and he goes on, he can possibly win a treble, can't he, at Bayer Leverkusen, and they're probably thinking like we are, you know, just enjoy the ride while you can this season, see what happens next year, because you know, I think they're four games off the longest ever unbeaten run, which is set by Bayern Munich, I think, obviously, all their, the biggest, so-called bigger teams are out of their, their cup as well, and it's it's only Klopp who can really stop uh, Alonso in the Europa League and, and vice versa, so it's going to be an interesting end for the season for them, but I think if you look at the, who's on the market, as you say, it's Ancelotti, probably the most proven winner that we might be able to get, but I think his age would work against him and that we'll, we don't want to be doing this again in a few years. I think FSG like the fact that we've had a manager that's been there for so long. I think Liverpool fans, Liverpool the club, we like having a manager who's a stable part of our club and you know, the only manager you could say it's perfect going get him is Guardiola, but it just that seems incredibly unlikely. So you then have to look as Rick said to the next tier and I think of who's on who's out there, then it's not hard to see the Chabi Alonso should at the very least be considered. And again, as as Steve said before, you need someone who the players are listening to, Van Dyke, Salah will meet will respect Chabi Alonso because you know he, the stuff he's won, the clubs he's played for, you know, it's easier for the younger players to just be overawed by the club. But the senior players need someone who, who they will listen to and Obviously, it depends on Alonso finishes the season, but if he wins the league, he becomes the first manager since Klopp to stop Bayern Munich winning the league, then it almost seems written that we should go and get, you know, the Bayern Munich stoppers are the ones who then go and become our managers. And as you say there, we saw with Bellingham, we watched watched him pass away and then go to Real Madrid. And, you know, it's, the only worry is if he does go to Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, as you said, Farrell, he starts winning. We've got no chance then, so... Maybe this could all work in our favour and we get an exciting young manager who understands the club and is willing to stay here for the next 10 years and we get that stability and we go on a winning streak. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot of wishful thinking. But of the candidates, I think you know you can't really say that Joey Alonso shouldn't at the very least be you know, in, in a final shortlist. We know it's going to be someone relatively young and you've certainly you've alluded to the, the demands of the Liverpool job. You know, Jurgen Klopp sort of talked about it in detail himself it's a very demanding job physically emotionally uh, spiritually mentally it, it's it will take a lot out of you so we have to 
imagine it will be someone who can handle those pressures for potentially a similar period of time, eight, nine, a decade, uh, we'd hope if they're successful. Um, Alonso would then fit that bill. Now, you'd have to imagine, of course, that t- expectations, perceptions really, would change if he does go, you know, end of the season, it's Leverkusen lifting their first ever Bundesliga title. He's broken a record there. Um, you could potentially see, hopefully, Liverpool certainly in the final, but Leverkusen, you'd look at as being the other team most likely to reach the final in Dublin. And um, obviously, we want Liverpool to win that. But, you know, my goodness, what that would do for Alonso's reputation if he, if he lifted both the Europa League and the Bundesliga title uh, by the end of the season. My goodness, um, how that would, I suppose, affect the doubters in the equation when it comes to his credentials for the Liverpool uh, job. Obviously, now there are other candidates. This has been primarily a, a Xabi Alonso uh, podcast, and I've absolutely no problems with that personally. But we do have to sort of touch on them uh, on the list. Of course, Oddchecker's top 10 list also includes Brighton's Roberto De Zabi, Pep Lenders, uh, Union Nagelsmann, Ruben Amarim, Michel Sanchez, Zinedine Zidane, Robert Schmidt, uh, Unai Emery and Ange Postacoglu. Um I'll open this mainly to the group as if we can't get Alonso, what sort of alternatives do we really want to be looking at pursuing? I mean, I mean the two names that pop out for me personally would be Dezabi and perhaps uh, Amarim of Sporting. Uh, Dezabi, I almost feel a bit sorry in a sense that consensus on him appears to have shifted with Brighton's recent form, but some seem to kind of forget that you know, his midfield has been gutted in the summer. You've lost Moises Caicedo. You've lost Alexis McAllister, sorry. Um, and that effectively guts the Brighton midfield. I mean, their midfield against Palace in the 4-1 win consisted of Pascal Gross, an 18-year-old, and Jack Kinshawwood, Billy Gilmore, and Tarek Lamptey, who was effectively a right wing-back. Um, Ruben Amarim won the title in his first season with Sporting and the, 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 the League Cup. Uh, and on course again to potentially win it uh, this term. Favours a back three like Alonso. Uh, both play a sort of attractive brand of football and young coaches as well. Plenty of promise. I mean, I'll, I'll, put, this, I'll put this to the group. Where, where, what direction, hypothetically, should we go in if Alonso is just off the table? Deserve <laughs> I think it's, it's Zerbi. Um, I just think, I mean, obviously it comes down to the recruitment staff at Brighton as well, but what, what he's done over the last few years at that club, you know, he's worked miracles out of very little. And you wonder, you know, Liverpool is not a unlimited resource club, but we are we have been quite shrewd over the years. You know, sell to buy has been like, you know, a big thing under FSG. And that's worked really well for us. And you wonder, with a bit more backing, because uh, obviously Brighton, obviously you know they have limitations uh, like like other clubs do. You wonder maybe you know what could what could be if if you gave him a bit more. But you know there, there's there's going to be question marks over every manager. You know Ange Postecoglou naturally comes up as well because he's similar character to Jurgen Klopp. I, I think um, you know certainly his, his time at Celtic and, and Spurs has sort of showed that he is quite down to earth to a degree. Um, I think character wise he could be. Sort of along those lines. I'm, I'm not 100% sold on that idea, though. And trying to take him from spares would be a nightmare. Um, I would even do it, you know, because at that point you'd be questioning, sort of, I suppose, from an outside perspective, outside of Liverpool, his integrity. He hasn't really given spares a proper crack and then he leaves and joins us. So I'm not too sure about that. Um, and yeah, based on based on just pure vibes, I don't know why. Frank seems to be somebody who I would maybe consider. I don't know. 
Thomas Lampard. Yeah, no, definitely Thomas. <laughs> not uh, not Frank Lampard. But um, yeah, if it's not Zabi, it's De Zerbi. And to be honest, De Zerbi at this point might have already done more than Zabi to warrant being on the shortlist. Obviously, like you have all said, come the end of the season, that could be different. Zabi could have worked miracles in Germany and, you know, like Pete said, it sets him up nicely to, you know, whoever stops Bayern becomes Liverpool manager. That seems to be a good um, sort of threshold to pass, you know. So, yeah, that's sort of my two cents on it anyway. They're, they're sort of the names that buzz around my head, but I haven't got a clue. When Klopp came in, he was not even, I didn't think we could get him. So, you never know. You never know with these things. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind picking up on that um, Zidane thread, even just as a short-term solution, just to give everyone a little bit more time to see how how things fall into pay, into place, place, place. Um, yeah, so you know, it, it would give Jabi a little bit more time to sort of we find out if he's actually you can do it on. On multiple fronts, um, or keep doing it on multiple fronts, should I say? Um, it uh, maybe allows Postacoglu to establish himself at Spurs, uh, Deserby, see what happens after a summer of being able to refresh that midfield a little bit more. Um, you know, th- those kind of options, uh, having someone who is a who would be a short term solution but actually knows their, their value, their worth. Um, can actually, you know, instill a little bit of like, because basically you don't want to end up in a situation where you've got lads who are barely that much younger than the lad who's in charge, and kind of going, all right, well, what have you, what have you actually done? Um, now, you know, as we've as we've all said, like, you know, most of these people who are lined up are there for a reason; they've got the credentials. But even then, it's like, like as I say, it just the, the, it's you would just you just want another season just to see how some of this shakes up. So maybe, like I say, someone like a Zidane, just a short term year, two year, three year, whatever it may be. But it is a short term, and everyone is in agreement that like it starts on this date, it ends on this date, and then we'll see. Maybe halfway through, we go right. Okay, we actually like the look of Thomas Frank. We're going to go all in on him before he gets sniped by, um, you know, Real Madrid or someone like that for like their next managerial position. Like that's that's the thing. Like, we, like you were saying about uh, Alonso, is you don't want to sit on it for too long, and then next thing you know, you've got Bayern sniffing around, or you've got Real Madrid sniffing around for him. So if you you, you need to give these people a little bit more breathing space, but yeah. Where do you stand, Pete? Yeah, but I just I don't no no offense to you both. I, I, I don't see the point of getting a a shortish term manager because I feel like the whole reason Klopp said this early is we've got enough time to go and get the right manager. And how long do you wait? You can't like we've we've already got a fair well what what was it January to when we start the season August and it's about eight months we've basically got obviously we're gonna gonna get him in June July but. We've got eight months till the end of pre-season, shall we say? And I think that's more than enough time for the right candidate to be found. Because so you you can wait an hour for years, and you know what? Then if Thomas Frank gets relegated, but then he has a great season coming back, and then Zidane gets somewhere, it doesn't you know? It's just it feels like too much. I feel like you're gonna have to start mm-hmm. the next now, and whoever it is, we get behind for the long term. But 
you know, of those people that you've said, other than Alonso, I'd be probably most inclined to give Pep Linders a go and just try and keep what we've got and keep it going, especially the the history of this club and how that's always been a successful plan for us, really. And, you know, if we're all comparing... It's going to sound bad. If we're all comparing Klopp to Shankly Deleuze to, to say Linders couldn't beat the, the next Paisley, which is a very incredibly large shout. But all I mean is who's to say that by sticking with what we already got, it couldn't get better because then you can continue to promote from within. But we all know the story of the boot room and, and what happened. So I think that's the only other attractive option I'd see in that, just that we could just continue to go, as I say. But I wouldn't go for the short-term option. And if we did it very much, even with Pep Linders, it's just that short-term and you give them a the go. But yeah, I think it's got to be a long-term prospect. And of those others... Maybe like a new Emery has proven himself, but I just don't think he plays the right football. That's the only thing that will go against him because he he's shown everywhere he he's a very good manager, and we we saw that in Basel <laughs> against Seville, and you know Villa are very good at the moment as well. But I just think, and then you say about Coglu as well. I just think whether we'd be able to, well, I think we would be able to get him. To be fair, he probably would also be an exciting one, but he's again and maybe another risk. But yeah, there's a lot of candidates in summary. <laughs> So just to sum up, the boot room, Zinedine Zidane, or the sexiest man in football in Xabi Alonso. It's quite uh, the shortlist to go through, and it's been a pleasure to go through them uh, with my fellow three amigos. We've had Flash Schools, Steve Carson, Rick Elliott, and our very own Peter Kenny Jones, and I've been your host, Farrell Keeling, here on the Empire of the Cop podcast. Tune in for more next week. Take care. Bye.